Nine Taiwanese nationals have been evacuated from Israel in a chartered flight arranged by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs. The flight took off on Friday noon from Tel Aviv's airport and landed in Rome at around 3 p.m. But the plane was mostly empty. Only 16 of the 179 seats available were occupied. Besides the nine Taiwanese, there were also six Guatemalans and one Paraguayan. Let's hear from a Taiwanese resident in Israel as to why she's choosing to stay. From our point of view, there haven't really been any major changes in Israel nor in Jerusalem. Like, for example, today was very calm, and there are enough defense systems. The representative office was amazing. They set up a team really fast to provide Taiwanese nationals with a lot of assistance. About 137 Taiwanese nationals like Susan have decided to stay in the country. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs says it will keep in contact with them in case they change their minds. Should they choose to leave, the ministry will help them with transport arrangements. A group of DPP lawmakers representing constituencies in Kaohsiung held a press conference Friday urging TSMC to set up shop in the southern port city. The presser comes just days after TSMC abandoned plans to build its most sophisticated chip fab in Taoyuan's Longtan district. The lawmakers say Kaohsiung can provide all the resources necessary for TSMC, which plays an invaluable role in global chip supply chains. Shouting their support for TSMC, DPP lawmakers representing constituencies in Kaohsiung on Friday held a press conference in the Legislative UN, stating that they would make every effort so that the chip maker could set up a plant in Kaohsiung. If Longtan doesn't want TSMC, then Kaohsiung wants it. To win these TSMC-related semiconductor industries, the most critical factors are land, electricity, water and resolve from the local government involved. Kaohsiung has made complete preparations for these four items, and they have all been set up in advance. The Kaohsiung city government team led by Mayor Chen Chi Mai is fighting for this, making every effort to win over TSMC and eliminate each difficulty. TSMC recently announced it had dropped plans to build a fab using 1.4 nanometer processors in Lungtan Science Park, shocking the public. When the news first broke, it wasn't just Kaohsiung, but also several other counties and cities that were vying to host the proposed fab, including Tainan and Miaoli. Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Chi Mai immediately expressed his position, saying he wouldn't waste time talking and instead get down to work to attract the firm. From this incident, we can see the different government styles in the DPP and KMT. We in the DPP work hard to attract investment and we fight for the economy and take the initiative. Particularly with Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Chi Mai, he has worked very hard with our Kaohsiung legislators to attract investment. Kaohsiung already has experience in setting up related supporting administrative facilities. It is Taiwan's fastest and most proactive city. The KMT only cares about elections and destroys hard-won results of investment promotions. The Kaohsiung city government's other renovated factory areas and another three districts were renovated and opened up for bids in August this year. Currently, companies are setting up shop in these areas one after another. It so happens that this is happening at the same time as TSMC calling off its plans for a 1.4 nanometer process fab in Taoyuan. 
Observers say the council plans for Lung Tan could cost the area 5,000 job opportunities and cause housing prices to collapse. Over in the south, Kaohsiung Mayor Chen Chi Mai and DPP lawmakers are working their hardest to lure TSMC to the city. Rush hour traffic at Nehu Technology Park on Friday became even more hectic than ever as Formosa Plastics Group began operations at its new headquarters in the area. The firm's relocation has added 4,000 workers to Nehu District, which has long been plagued with traffic woes. The company says it has launched a shuttle bus service and implemented staggered working hours to minimize the impact. But local residents say traffic is even worse than before. A group of workers rush across the street to get to work. A warden directs the flow of traffic while police officers are at the ready. Formosa Plastics Group has moved to a new building in Taipei's Nehu District, bringing a large number of new commuters to the area. Formosa Plastics Group has relocated to a new building, bringing over more than 4,000 employees. That's making rush hour in Nehu even more hectic than it already was. Even before Formosa Plastics Group moved in, our traffic was already a mess. In the morning and evening rush, buses would get stuck in traffic for ages over there at Jolme Burrow. And the traffic links to this area weren't that good to begin with. There's no MRT and there's very few buses servicing the area. Sometimes the bus comes but you can't get on, or you can assume the risk and try to cram yourself in. Traffic really comes to a standstill. Residents in our borough who go to the Nanjing apartment market to buy groceries have no bus for their return trip. What can they do to get back if they can't take the bus? And for the kids in Jolme Borough, there are no buses they can take to school. There's no space for them at 7 or 8 in the morning. Locals are frustrated and the borough warden gets complaints non-stop. Locals report that even before Formosa Plastics Group moved in, long lines would form at bus stops and spaces on buses would be scarce. The company has released a statement saying that since April this year, it has been in talks with the Taipei city government to increase the number of buses servicing the area. In addition, it offers shuttle bus services to 480 employees and flexible working hours to stagger out commutes. We are drawing up plans and reviewing proposals to update road layouts, U-bike docks and bus connections. Formosa Plastics Group moved out of its almost 50-year-old building in Dunhuan North Road to Nehu, bringing in almost 5,000 employees. The extra burden has only worsened traffic in the area, with residents asking for solutions from the government and the company. A major petition in May called for Taiwan to adopt a four-day work week. Although it received many signatures, it was rejected by the executive yuan as too difficult to implement. However, a small number of businesses have voluntarily adopted the system. Testimonies from their employees have sparked fierce debate online. Today, we head to a real estate agency with four-day week to find out from the manager and the employees what it has done for workplace culture and for work-life balance. Most real estate agents in Taiwan have long working hours and lots of stress. But unlike most, in this agency, they only work 9 to 5, 4 days a week. 
It's written in big letters on this job advert outside the agency. Real estate agents wanted, four-day working week, nine to five, no experience required, guaranteed monthly salary, 40,000 NT. The big benefit touted for new hires is the four-day week. It's not that I was envious. It was more like, how is that even possible? How can a company be so great? Lots of real estate agents can do the job, but they can't do it for long, so they get exhausted after a few years or they can't take good care of their family. So I thought a four-day week was a way to allow colleagues to take proper care of their families while working. The number of days off our colleagues get each month went from 6 to 8 and now to 12. And actually, our productivity has grown every year the last few years. The branch manager claims that since the four-day week was adopted, profits have been unaffected while overall productivity activity has increased. In May of this year, a petition called for Taiwan to promote the four-day week. Although it was eventually shut down by the executive yuan, a small number of companies did quietly decide to adopt the system. You need to see whether those three days off are really totally off work, because some will say it's a three-day weekend, but actually they still give you something to do, so you're just working at home. The workplace culture can be quite grim in many Taiwanese companies. Even if the three days off are not over one big block, and even if the salary is reduced, many employees would jump at the chance to take a four-day week. Taipei's fire department held Taiwan's first-ever firefighting drill using a robot on Friday. The remote-controlled machine is equipped with a water cannon with a range of 80 meters, as well as an infrared sensor. It is especially designed to mitigate risk in big fires in industrial areas and in closed spaces like tunnels. Let's hear from the Taipei Fires Department. In factories and in spaces like tunnels, we can deploy the robot to help firefighters respond more quickly and safely. For fires in which firefighters do not need to enter the disaster area, we can use the robot to put out the fire with foam. We at the Fu'an Fire Station are in charge of Shizhi Island, which has a lot of factories. The robot was imported from Austria at a cost of more than 10 million NT and is one of two currently in use in Taiwan. It has fans that can blow 90,000 cubic meters of air to clear out smoke. A foam spray allows it to also extinguish chemical fires. The remote controls have a range of 300 meters and the robot itself can move up slopes and deal with obstacles on its course. Two weeks ago, Orchid Island off the coast of Taidong was devastated by Typhoon Koinu. Many houses were severely damaged and more than 70% of boats anchored at the island's Kaiyuan port sunk or suffered heavy damage. Technical experts from various companies are now traveling to Orchid Island to inspect the damaged boats. They're also planning to set up a repair center on the island. A large amount of daily necessities are packed in boxes. Two weeks ago, Typhoon Koinu ravaged Orchid Island, isolating it from Taiwan proper. Fortunately, donations from many kind-hearted people and companies have allowed local residents to take a breather and see light at the end of the tunnel. However, now new difficulties are putting them to the test. 
Currently, the damage to vessels is quite serious. In particular, the engines have been flooded with water and hull damage is also very serious. Powerful wind gusts of more than 61.2 metres per second caused more than 70% of vessels in Caillou and Port to sink and suffer damages. In just one night, the residents' money-making tools were completely destroyed. Technicians from various companies have since travelled to Orchid Island to inspect the wrecked boats. Let us technicians do something in this local area, help them do some things first. We can make basic inspections and repairs a priority. If we really can't handle them on the site, we can transport them back. On the island, we can set up a temporary base for inspections and repairs. Then we'll move relevant equipment such as wiring, circuit boards and computer motherboards over to provide assistance. Repairing the boats is a major engineering project and residents and technicians are collectively searching for ways to put the boats back in their places as soon as possible so that Orchid Island's residents' livelihoods are restored. Even though two weeks have passed since Typhoon Koinu, Orchid Island's reconstruction work continues non-stop as residents strive to have their normal lives back. The Army's Aviation and Special Forces Command on Thursday evening held a unique training mission at Taiwan's only paratrooper base located in Pingdong's Chaozhou Township. Almost 60 soldiers jump off from a C-130 transport plane at an altitude of 1,250 feet in total darkness, filling the night sky with glowing lights. Paratroopers all wore lights on their bodies in order to be identifiable. On the ground, markings were set up with lights to guide them to their target. The head of the command, Wang Xingwei, says the biggest challenge of night missions like this is identifying one's surroundings. To orient themselves, paratroopers must take into account wind directions and landmarks on the ground, as well as judge the range and approach to the landing site. Today, we take you to meet the creator of an art studio that combines art and dining. Caesar Reyes came to Taiwan where he taught art at an American school. In 2017, he founded a studio that not only showcases works by talented artists, but also serves food and organizes talks. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang met Reyes and Taiwan-based Filipino artist Michael Vincent Manalo, who is exhibiting his works at the studio. Michael Vincent Manalo explains a series of artworks chasing dreams. This painting was inspired by his art residency in Poland. The painting utilizes augmented reality. After downloading an app and swiping the QR code, the painting is presented on the visitor's mobile phone through animation or video. This is a new exhibition at the studio. Manalo is a digital painter and photographer from the Philippines, but he is now based in Taiwan. The things that I saw are so different, it kind of sh like shook me to the core and I was like I was very shocked because everything was just like what I just saw on you know the magazines or or on the internet like everything was so different and so this kind of represents that you know like I'm just a small person seeing something so different from what I used to see there's always just this glint or beam of hope as represented in, in the light shining through the trees. This art studio was created by Cesar Reyes. He grew up in Hawaii and graduated from Wheaton College and Columbia University in New York. 
After graduation, he worked at Columbia University. In 2005, he moved to Taiwan and started teaching art in Taiwan. In 2017, he began hosting art dinners at his own house, where he invited friends over to have meals and appreciate art. In 2018, after finding a permanent space and redecorating the place, he established the studio in hopes of combining his shared passion for art and food. Here in 2005, I started to have a vision for how those things might be combined, and then、uh, teaching at Taipei American School,、um, really honing my skill as a teacher. And then, in the process of doing all that, realizing that there's a space, a niche here in Taiwan for art and food, and then started doing art dinners in about 2017. The time that we were doing the art dinners, I got a lot of feedback saying, "Hey, this was really good. This is really enjoyable. This is not like a, a normal type of dinner. It's not like a Michelin star dinner. It's not a gallery." It's a great combination where conversation emerges, and so that was one of my goals: was to create a space that would build conversation about art, about artistic things, about creative people. Aside from showcasing the works of talented artists, the space also holds talks and serves a variety of customers. The studio also provides catering. It ranges from a Taiwanese set menu、um, and a Western menu,、uh, and then we also serve Indian food. We've had people come in and give talks about art and art history. We regularly have a dinner related to、um, uh, art. It's called the Artist Open House, and we invite people to come and dine as artists and and commune together. Both of my co-founder and I really love Taiwan a lot, such that we want to contribute、uh, with a space like this that's unique, special for artists and for diners and people who appreciate art in general. By combining art and food, the studio hopes to create a platform for talented artists and to also provide art lovers a space to dine and converse about art. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Hu Chongen in Taipei. Taiwan is becoming increasingly carnivorous, according to data from the Ministry of Agriculture. In 2022, people in Taiwan ate an average of 87 and a half kilograms of meat. For the first time ever, meat intake overtook grain consumption, which stood at an average of 87.5 kilograms. A surge of interest in fitness and weight loss has brought about significant changes to people's diets, which now feature less rice and more animal protein. Nutritionists warn that for people with high blood pressure and lipids, consuming only meat and foregoing whole grains and root vegetables can pose a significant health risk. A good way to boost protein intake without meat is to choose plant-based options like legumes, or alternatively, eggs and fish. If you must eat meat, experts advise choosing white meat over red.